0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Carolina Weather Group. This is the Wednesday, December eighteenth, two 2019 edition of our little weather get-together, show number 303. And tonight, we're happy to have Jim Cantori back with us. It's been a couple of years since we've had Jim with us, and uh, it's always good to catch up with uh, Mr. Cantori and kind of talk about weather and what all he's experienced. And that's kind of what we've advertised tonight. We're going to do a 2019 review. We're going to hit a few events, and then we're just going to kind of get into – Just a general conversation about uh, some of Jim's weather stories. So we're happy to have you tonight. I do want to remind you this is the last broadcast for our 2019 season. So we're going to be taking a little break after this show uh, to enjoy the holidays with our friends and family. And we hope that you will do that as well. So uh, for the time, we want to maximize as much time as we possibly can I'm going to bring in Mr. Shay Gibson, who uh, who was able to uh, secure Jim. So Shay, I'll kind of let you uh, lead off and uh, introduce our guests tonight, and we'll go from there.
1: Absolutely, yeah. So um, Jim, once again, thanks for joining us. Jim's with the Weather Channel. He's been there for gosh, I-, I remember watching you back when I was in college. I mean, it's been it's been quite quite a long time. Like, uh, yeah,
2: we're, we we started the 34th year, man, on uh, on July 14th. So. Yeah, we're, we're in year 34 here. But I got to tell you right now, first of all, thanks for ending the decade with me, guys. For ending the decade with, with, with me. I appreciate that. And obviously, by looking at Scotty's background, I need to up my uh, my background game a little bit. So uh, so thanks for, for putting me in that position, Scotty. I appreciate that. Sure thing.
1: So, um, yeah, I, did, <laughs> I can't match Scotty's background either. I
2: you too, Shay. I mean, you, you're in the same boat I am. It's like, where is he?
0: Oh, well, you know, Jim, this, I told you before the show, this kind of probably bring back memories, and we're going to talk a little bit about this later on, but this was the 2018 event, not far from where you were stationed, you were in Boone, North Carolina, I'm in the Morganton area, so about 30, 40 miles, but we'll talk about that uh, about tonight, uh, your stories about the, the snowstorm up in the high country, so I think I actually had the first question to lead off with you tonight, and we were talking about Uh, the 2019 year in review. And and Jim, we were kind of racking our brain over some of the major events that happened. The first one that really came to mind for us was the severe weather outbreak that took place in um, Alabama, in Georgia, Florida, uh, in early spring and March, um, you know, with Beauregard tornado and just a a crazy weather day. Talk to us a little bit about that. What's your memories or recollection of of covering the weather that uh, for that event?
2: I mean, you know, with spring comes that chance. Um, you know, Dixie Alley's been hot, especially over this past decade. I mean, you certainly think about 2011 and and what happened down there. So, um, not 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 too surprising given the setup that we had that day. But, uh, I, guys, you you tell me, was that was that our first EF four in a while? Did we have the longest spread? Between EF4s, was, was that, with, that tornado, with the tornado down there? I can't, I can't remember. But e- either way, it was, it, was, it was a horrible day and you knew, you know, we, we were going to get a bad outbreak and, um, you know, sometimes it happens. and We just, just had one the other day. Yeah. You, you kind of you wake up in the morning, you're like, gosh, you know what? If this happens or if we get this kind of instability, this is going to be one of those, those kind of days. So you, your whole tone changes a little bit on the air. So you kind of kind of ramp up how you talk about it, and you you slow down a little bit, and you say, you know, you really need to watch this, and and then you try and get in the timing. Okay, when's the initiation? Maybe you know right after lunch, or not not too far after lunch. And it really worked out. And as, as many people that beat up the Her model for its uh, you know over exaggeration, the Her did a great job with this this event just just the other day. So you know, my hats off uh, to the modelers. They don't get enough credit.
0: And Jim, it seems like, you know, severe weather over the last few years has kind of been, I don't want to say on a downward trim, but not as widespread as, like you talked about, 2011 and events like that. Uh, we also saw a pretty active severe weather season in May, starting out in the Mid-Plains, especially the, the latter part of May. In fact, Evan and, and myself and Chris Jackson, we were out in the Plains chasing um, for the last few uh, days of May. And got to see some of those uh, major tornadoes. But we saw tornadoes span from Colorado, obviously Kansas, Nebraska, uh, Oklahoma, Texas. We even seen an EF4 tornado in the Columbus, Ohio um, area, you know, in in late May. So, you know, for you guys at the Weather Channel, I know uh, that's kind of a time that you really uh, do the severe weather awareness and tornadoes and and things like that. So, you know, that that was a pretty big outbreak that we experienced this year.
2: Yeah, we had a lot of them that that were like multi-day uh, and the atmosphere would reload, and it's been a while since we, we, we we've had that. So that we expect that in the spring, we hope that it doesn't happen. And like you said, we had kind of had this kind of dry period where we, we we've had some tornadoes, but they haven't been very strong. And so that changed this year in a lot of places, unfortunately. And as you guys know, with the, with the stronger tornadoes, usually come the more
0: losses of life. You know, we saw that in kansas city um and in the yeah. uh the the columbus ohio area i mean that was you know when you think of tornadoes a uh, downtown columbus ohio is not the first place that comes into mind but an ef4 that went through that area I and mean, it's just i remember evan and i we were out i think we were in kansas or somewhere and we were looking at the video evan and we kind of looked at each other it was like and we should have went to ohio but it was just you know the the photos and the videos coming out of especially columbus it was just um it was it's kind of weird I, to see I, it there.
2: Yeah, and, and look and look at Dayton. You know the the tornado that affected Dayton earlier. I mean that, that was horrible. Hit hit a very good friend of mine's church. Um, you know, her dad was the pastor there, and I mean it just devastated. Uh, you know that whole town. Um, but you know, with that, guys, as, as you probably have seen out there, you you see this kind of sense of community coming back together and helping everybody, and and that's one of the if there's a silver lining in this, that's it. Uh, and that's really the only thing, but, um, I, you know, I, I don't miss not being out on those as much as I used to be because it's hard to see the heartache. It really is to to go through that, but, but that's your job. You got to take, take everybody through it and show everybody, you know, across the rest of the nation, what these people have just gone through. I mean, and here we are, you know, week before Christmas, We've had, oh my gosh, three EF3s, you know, six EF2s in Alabama, Louisiana. So these people that were planning holidays with friends and family, all of a sudden that's been completely blown out of the water. They don't even have a house or the house has been so damaged it's unlivable. So we, we, we kind of forget. We get back in our house every night and we're all comfortable and cozy. The lights are on, the heat's on. But here here are these people and their families and, and likely young children Um you know, Santa Claus is going to have a tough place to to,
3: to land this year, as, as a result of that. You know, and honestly, to make matters worse, with the the Dayton and Columbus tornadoes, I'm pretty sure those were nocturnal, um, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it just makes it, it great, worse. Great point. We had a lot of
2: overnight stuff uh, this year, and that you know that's the hardest. Uh, a lot of stuff that started going after dark. Um, Texas, Oklahoma, some of those tornadoes are. Really, I mean. It it is a bad year for late, late, late day stuff. So you can't see them. You don't know they're coming. You're kind of, you're in your comfort zone in your house. And, and, and it's, I think it's probably worse with these fires that we see in California where all of a sudden, you, Hey, you've got 30 seconds to get out of your house. Then you have to drive through the blaze to get out of it. If you make it through that, it's kind of like one of these things where you're just kind of settled in and comfortable and all of a sudden, boom, to acknowledge and accept the fact that all of a sudden your life is being interrupted in in an abrupt way. Boom. And you got to just do the best you can to get your family out of harm's way. Uh, Yeah, that's, there's, there's no shortage of weather here in the United States, uh, unfortunately. And a lot of times and oftentimes it's severe weather.
1: Yeah. None at all. So um, we go through the spring season and we start to get into the summer um we get 2019 tropical season and that's that's uh oh, gosh area i like to watch probably the most of all the all the weather events so this year was a forecasted 16 named storms for noah we hit 17 six of them hurricanes three majors uh, the three majors we had one that did significant damage to the bahamas and that was dorian oh my goodness uh, that was um definitely at a higher latitude than we thought would have something like that would have occurred i mean besides joaquin but um Kind of tell us your experience with, with Dorian and, and where did you start? Covering- well, I mean,
2: we went to West Palm, Stewart, Jupiter, the, the, the Treasure Coast, because we thought we were going to get a hurricane, a strong hurricane, to come in and stall over the Palm Beaches, which would have been an absolute disaster for the United States. But instead, it came in, got stronger, and stalled over the Bahamas. So, you know, in terms of for Florida, they absolutely dodged a bullet uh, w- without question. And then certainly there were some issues uh, up in Ocracoke and, and North Carolina as it accelerated and went over Hatteras Island. But still, I mean, at least it was moving. Uh, the, to ha- I can't even imagine a Cat 5 stalled and just churning. And and I, I can't even imagine what that was like going through for anybody that, that even survived that. Um, yeah, you're talking 24. We, do- we dodged one. And, and how ironic to dodge that monster, and then have Imelda, which developed, you know, all of a sudden we, we got a named storm within 15 minutes of a depression and a landfall 10 minutes after that. I mean, that, I slept through the whole thing, so I don't really remember it, to be honest with you, but, um, you know, then then to have it dump, you know, prolific amounts of rain. So the, the it's really, really these kind of, in the last few years, these slow moving, stalling storms that are producing these prolific rainfall totals i mean what do we had like six or seven state records in terms of rainfall from tropical systems in the last uh six years we've had um what, six cat fives in the last five years i mean yeah so we're in this kind of period of of these ramped up very strong uh cyclones very strong
1: That's, it's really unnerving just just how the uh, the setup is in the atlantic basin for the months of september october in the last few years and it's maybe has a lot to do with maybe some of the jet stream pattern but you don't have these sweeping cold fronts and these these west to east traffic events going by that would sweep these things out and so we end up with these weak ridges and nothing to really steer it away from the coast and it just
2: sort of just eases in i mean similar to florence um yeah, you know, and Michael, look at my, did I expect Michael to be a cat five? No, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, here, and, I, and I'm going to be honest with you. When I went to the coast for Michael, I was thinking, all right, I don't even need to bring my body armor. I think there's going to be a two. I can probably make it through a two at the most. And all of a sudden, oh God, I made a huge mistake. I've got nothing. I've got a five on my hands. You know, we got a crew that's, that's probably in a place that they shouldn't be. So we're getting them out of harm's way. I mean, it was, that was crazy, man. That was crazy, but you're right. Just, just take the last four or five years, and there's, like you said, the the, the lack of steering and the slowing pattern and these prolific rain producers. Uh, and, and, and it's not just the United States. I mean, Hawaii. <laughs> you remember, I mean, Hawaii got a record rainfall out of one of these. So it's happening, you know? Yeah, Hawaii keeps getting, they keep getting skirted
1: every, almost every single year now. It's just like, what, fourth consecutive year that we've had Major hurricanes affect the United States or, or even territories. So we're we're like, you know, look at rapid intensification on a scale that we're not quite used to seeing on some of these. I mean, we, we saw this in the early two thousands, maybe during El Nino years, where we would see um, some of these systems blow up. But um, it, it, and it's just it's just really wild. I mean, Dorian scraping the coastline. It came so close to Charleston. We really dodged a bullet. With yeah. The I mean, if well, bay- you know
2: what you know, what was crazy, and the, the weather service there does such a great job with their flood forecasting. What were, they, what were they forecasting? The second highest flood on record, and all of a sudden, I remember going to bed tweeting about that because I was watching the gauge go up. I'm like, oh god, here it comes. It looked inevitable, and I wake up, and all of a sudden no they, they didn't even get close to the forecast mm-hmm. the wind shifted to offshore real quick and it saved them from a massive flood in, in charleston so so we dodged the dorian bullet in terms of landfall in the palm beaches we dodged the flood in charleston because of the fact that it, the winds shifted offshore faster than they were forecast so people just don't realize you know irma to me could have been an absolute disaster for the whole west coast of florida even atlanta we, I remember the European predicting 90 mile an hour winds in Atlanta with Irma. So we've 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 gotten lucky as bad as it's been. We, we've gotten lucky here in the United States. Yeah, very much, very much. I totally agree. And usually those
1: south to north traveling systems that are actually intensifying, which Dorian weakened to a two, but re-intensified to a three um, as it near Charleston with those offshore winds, but right. as it swept up across North Carolina, they had some serious problems out of that. Um, Oh yeah. I mean, that's some of the wild horses got swept out to sea I and mean, there was, there was significant flooding up there and, and and we're finding that more and more on the East coast. We've had, I mean, shoot, Jared, I don't know if you can chime in how many flooding events have we had this year that are not even tropical related, something like 84.
4: Yeah. Or? Are we, yeah, we're definitely into the eighties now. I've got to go back. I keep losing count. I mean, it's, it's, it's upper just, yeah, yeah. It's, it's absurd. And, um, it, it just, uh, I mean, this year just completely blows, like as far as flood days, just completely blows all of them out of the water. And, and, and like Shay said, a lot of them are on nice, you know, sunny days, just sunny day flooding. And we're fortunate that we have, uh, some mitigations in place now, um, you know, through the use of check valves primarily to at least keep some of the main roads from, you know, getting overtopped in most of these events. If it goes eight feet though, I mean, check valves are overwhelmed at that point. You're just going, you, the the water's just going to come over the road and then that's it. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, we, we have been, uh, I I feel like that we have said coastal flood advisory a lot this year. Um, I'd be happy to not say that again for a while. Um, I have a feeling we'll be saying, saying that a lot more though. There's going to, there's going to be, it's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting uh, time ahead looking at the, even just the tide predictions in general, you know, it's like, looking at that is like, has something happened with the sea level? Because uh, it's not just Charleston. I mean, this is happening all up and down the East Coast too. Um, yeah, so Miami,
2: Miami's obviously big. Uh, the Tidewater people mm-hmm. forget about the Tidewater, you know. And when the when the U.S. Navy says, you know, we're looking at uh, mitigation for 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 the naval air base there. I mean, you got to listen to that.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: that yeah, you, the they're always ahead of the game and always ahead of the curve. So that that, that that's a hint right there that they're they're fully buying in. Uh, to what's going on here, and you're right. We see it in the data, guys. It, it it's right there.
1: It's just okay. a super, super fragile coastline. It doesn't take very much. So now, even just a tropical storm, like even a Melden, Texas, it just uh, it's just bad news, you know, bad news. But uh, either way, that's um, tropical season. Did you have any anything else you wanted to to talk about with the tropics?
2: No, I, no. So I, so I'm kind of wondering, you know, today as we look at this this kind of anomalous cutoff, but progressive low developing uh, over the Gulf of Mexico, that'll develop a surface low. Uh, you know, Does this take on some type of subtropical characteristics to get the name Tanya? Um, so I'm kind of waiting to see how that all evolves with, with with the hurricane center. And I mean, it looks like a cold core low to me, but, but you never know. I mean, there's gonna be wind, there's gonna be impacts for people traveling on the Florida panhandle, certainly uh, over the later weekend uh, into Florida, even into Georgia, uh, there could be some, some pretty heavy rain out of this. There's a tremendous tropical surge. that This is going to tap into from the deep tropics. So, you know, with, with and I said this this morning on a tweet, I'm like, you know, with unusual weather patterns, you usually get unusual results. So I'm kind of like on pins and needles waiting to see how this all turns out uh, this
3: weekend. Hopefully it'll be nothing, but uh, you know we're watching it for sure. I want to loop back real quick to the Charleston conversation, just because I know you know myself, Jared, and Shay all live in Charleston, and it's amazing how desensitized uh, we've become. I mean, over the past four years, we've had four mandatory evacuations in downtown Charleston, and you know sunny day flooding happens several times a month. Um, it, it's a little bit scary because at some point. When do people stop paying attention to It's just one one more mandatory evacuation? And we haven't been slammed since Hugo. We got lucky in Matthew and Dorian and all the storms of the past few years. Um, But it's really only a matter of time, which is a terrifying thought. (laughs) Well, if you go look at the, what is it, the
2: 20 highest tides in Charleston? Aren't they all like in the 2000s now?
3: Or, I mean... They had a, a huge one last – was it November, Jared, when it crested it up at like – Well, I remember 2016 was huge. For, I mean, you had all
2: sorts of high tides in 2016.
1: I think 1993 yeah, I was that was a big year. still has the record. 1993, yeah. the winter storm, there was that bomb low that uh, came up the coast and it really, really surged it up. So I have to go back and look, but that's a good question on mm-hmm. the highest, highest tide. I think 1993 still tops it, but then again, surge and – Tidal fluxing. There, there's some difference. There's disparity there. And then what the reports are But uh, Yeah. Interesting question.
4: Yeah. Hugo is still number one as far as like the, you know, just gauge readings. Yeah. Um, yes. But yeah, I mean, but Jim, you're exactly right. I mean, it, it, the vast majority of these, I, I got it pulled up here now. Yeah. I mean, recent yeah. All of the recent crests, all of the recent high crests. The, the you know the top ten ones are 19, twenty seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Three of them, three eight foot tides this year. I mean that, that's. I I, I mean that we that's just it's just uh, you know just getting crazy on us and I, and I think the the one thing you know. You know, Evan bringing up the evacuations and and the flooding. There was no evacuation for Irma yet. That was, that could have been very justified based on the fact that we, you know, that was our, uh, I mean, that was our third highest tide on record, 9.92 feet. I mean, that was, that
2: that, that was crazy, guys. You've got a, you've got a hurricane, a weakening hurricane on the west coast of Florida, but yet you've got massive tidal flooding uh, up the northeast coast of Florida and South Carolina and Georgia. So, Mm Wow. Yeah, that, that, that one still gets me uh, as, as to how incredible the reach was with, with that storm. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it was barely 100 miles an hour by time it got north of Fort Myers, if, if it was even that. So, that, yeah, that was, that, was a, that was a crazy storm. And, all, and I'm, I'm going to tell you, I've, I've, Dorian was my 100th tropical system that I had been out on for the Weather Channel. Okay, Whether it be depression or storm or hurricane, anywhere in, in the world, that was my 100th one and they're all different. They, they are. There's nothing that per, is any way, shape, or form the same way. So I, I, I feel sad sometimes when I hear people say, well, you know, this one's only a one because I left for the three, and that wasn't so bad. But yet, all of a sudden, you get these massive floods. You know, and there's so many different aspects of, of hurricanes and tropical systems that people just don't understand. So you can't base... Your decisions on leaving on categories there's so much great work that's been done at the hurricane center and the emergency management local local on the local level of getting people out so when they issue the evacuation warning just realize there's so much that's gone into that they're not just trying to make your life harder they're actually trying to get you out of uh what is a potential flood situation that could ruin your you know ruin your home ruin your life uh, believe me you, you, that that's the one thing if we can just get people to understand the work that's gone into that Uh, you know jamie rome at the hurricane center and all the emergency managers i mean that's their that's the hardest thing is getting people out of the harm's way because they compare other storms and you can't do that you
4: Can't. yeah do that. and and to the and and one more thing on that point before we jump off to a, a decidedly more fiery topic but you know it's like oh i read you know Matthew was a two. Matthew was a three. I rode that out and it was fine. It wasn't a three at your location. It might've been a high end tropical storm at your location. You know, that three is going to be in a very small place, but what you got was still tropical storm force winds. And that, you know, that should make everybody nervous. Like we only had tropical storm force winds for the most part in Dorian here. You know, there were a few hurricane force gusts, but I was out of power for a day and a half. So, and, and I got lucky. Um, there are people who are out of power for several days. And it's like, that's just, you know, that wasn't that bad of a storm, but think of all of the, you know, you know, just the inconvenience if nothing else. And and maybe that's how we need to go about it.
2: It's it's all about the impacts. And And I think once people, once people can see, you know, how high the water could get, and obviously storm surge forecast is a worst case scenario. It doesn't always happen to be the worst because of different perturbations in the system, but um, we have to forecast the worst case scenario because when that does happen and if we don't forecast it, uh, then it's a disaster and we're not doing our job as servants. So we're going to always forecast that and, and that's what we're going to prepare you for. And that's what you need to prepare for.
1: It would be interesting to see if the Saffir simpson scale supplemented somehow or the category of storm is designated per flooding event and see if any change occurs with that so we'll be watching uh lots of talk in the air about it
5: more of the carolina weather group and our conversation with jim cantori after this short break welcome back to the carolina weather group our guest this week meteorologist jim cantori of the weather channel but um
1: we're going to switch topics here we're gonna we're gonna go into california wildfires so some interesting wind events this year we're talking santa Ana winds el diablo winds and how that is forced down from the higher levels up above the sierra nevadas down through the valleys and so what is your experience with working in in that type of environment working to cover that environment at a safe distance of course but What's your experience with that?
2: I mean, I, I don't usually cover the, the, the fires um, for, for the Weather Channel, but I've actually been out to train with Cal Fire um, on a prescribed burn. And I'm like, guys, listen, I, I want to go through. I, I don't want you to make this easy. Uh, it was a hot day. I mean, if, if I have to stop and fall to the ground because I'm exhausted, I want people to see just how exhausting this is to come out and fight these fires. And the speed, what I remember the most is the speed at which these fires can move and how even when you think you have part of the fire out, it can still be going even though you doused it. It, it. It's amazing to me. So when we're getting winds at 60 to 80 miles per hour, you're talking about an uncontrollable fire. All right, and so it's creating its own weather. Now it's got a life of its own. It is not controllable. So the, whether it's fuel or wind-driven, whatever it is, I mean, you know, the campfire uh, comes to mind. You know, people at the, at the last minute getting out of harm's way, and there were so many that did not. Uh, they, they, they still haven't found remains of, of these people. I mean, that's how incinerated they were. So, you know, the, it, it's just crazy. But here's the deal at the end of the day this is a part of our history. Back before we started suppressing fires, you could get 20 to 30 million acres a year that burned. It's just it's just a way of the forest. And what we've done is, is our love of the wildland interface has moved us closer and closer into this danger so that we do have heat waves and droughts and big winters that produce prolific growth of the underbrush that dries out in the fall almost every year. Now we've kind of all of a sudden this beautiful land that we've moved into this interface that we've tucked ourselves uh, up into is now a, a potential inferno should conditions come to fruition and that's what we've seen with these fires so we, we've you know the, have we moved too far into what we love have we gotten too close to the beast that could be with the beauty and the beast you know what I mean uh, m- m- you yeah, know sure. I think we have. So, but if we're, if we're going to get that close now, it's like, okay, look, if I'm going to go put myself in there, I'm going to have to have a home that is resistant to the type of disaster that I'm moving in. Do I have a roof that's flammable? Do I have siding that can take higher heat? Uh, Do I have windows that won't melt? In other words, can I shelter in place as this type of fire goes over and they make products, they make homes. And yes, they're more expensive. But I think if, if you want to move into paradise, whether it be on the coast or in the wildland interface of the West, you have to build to your natural disaster. That should be the minimal. That should be the minimal because, you know, you you see these firefighters go in there, they put their lives at risk to try and save your home to try and save you when we should have been in there. Maybe we shouldn't have been in there in the first place. I, I don't know. But if, if we can build a place to shelter in place uh, during a, a situation like that or, or do as best as we can, then that that's really where we should start
3: from, I think, if we're going to go that far into the forest. I mean, I you, I mean jump in. Yeah, I think we saw a great example of that in um, Michael last year in Mexico Beach when, or Mexico City. Uh, no, Mexico Beach, that's the one, yeah. Mexico um, Beach. Where that house was left standing and it barely you know, looked like it had been touched by the winds when everything around it had been completely destroyed. So, yeah, I mean, so, so that this was a guy who decided to
2: build above code. All right? And so remember, cold, code is always the minimum standard. You know, So you can always build above that. You can always do, do better than that depending on how much money you want to spend. But, and that was kind of an older area of the Florida Panhandle, so a lot of those homes have been there, they've been passed down and whatnot, but, you know, going back and rebuilding, you know, why not use that as an example of how we need to build Mexico Beach, all right, because who wants to come back to that kind of catastrophe? Nobody.
3: Everybody pays for that. Everybody. And even to bring that back more locally, um, this is technically Tennessee, but the Gatlinburg fires, what, two years ago, now, three years ago? I mean, that was horrifying. That's just right at the base of the Smokies. That's a terrible place for a fire, but it, it wasn't ready because it's so rare that fires become widespread in Western North Carolina nowadays um, that it just didn't seem like a conceivable you know a phenomenon that could happen.
2: Yeah, I mean, think about how many videos we've seen, guys, in the last – five to eight years of of people driving through embers and trees that are on fire and and, and barely making it out uh, alive. And some do not. We don't see those videos. We don't see the ones where people don't make it out. So, I mean, just a horrifying situation, horrifying situation, but we've, we've, I, trust me, I love the mountains as much as anybody. I love being up there, but, you gotta, you gotta make sure that you you can either shelter in place or build yourself a structure to do that, um, or have a way out should should uh, the worst come.
1: Okay, one one more from me. I'm gonna pass it off to the team. Um, we now we've we talked about a lot of disasters. I want to kind of get into something that's a little more fun, something that you like, something that fascinates Jim. And I know what that is, and it's thunder snow, and you just kicked me a picture earlier or a, a gif from Radar Scope and um, showing some of that up in the New York area. And we know oh, that gosh. you get excited about it. So tell us your experiences with thundersnow. What causes it? What, what kind of get, drives you
2: for that? I mean, it, it's thunderstorms. It's, it's thunderstorms above cold surface air. You know, it's the same you know, rapidly rising air, uh, differences in, in, in charge and boom. Uh, you can get it, and I, and I think you know people are saying, "Oh, we're getting more thunder snow these days," and I don't know. I don't necessarily believe that. I, I think what, what's happening is we're getting more people with cameras that are aware of thunder snow, so you're get, getting more pictures of it. And I, and I think as forecasters, we've done a good job in in knowing some of these weather systems that can produce dynamic snow. Like all morning this morning on AMHQ, I was just jacked about the potential for, you know, because it's interesting because, you know, the producers, they write about the lake effect. And I'm like, guys, this isn't about lake effect. This is about what's going to happen downstream in the big cities, potentially at the time of rush hour, people coming home. So you've got these, you know, intense snow squalls. Uh, And the Weather Service, by the way, did a great job. Everybody was aware of this. We had snow squall warnings from New England all the way down into Maryland. Okay. There may still be some out there. I don't even, I don't even know, but uh, down at Cape Cod, I, the last one I saw with the South of Providence. So, you know, these are just crippling. They're, they're like going through a severe thunderstorm, but with whiteout conditions, you can't see the road. And yes, can they be dynamic enough to produce thunder and lightning? Absolutely. But it doesn't happen that often. I don't think people are used to snow squall warnings, but I'm wondering if today we actually saw more snow squall warnings than we ever have uh, out of any given situation because I there was m- several of them.
0: Hey Jim, dozen, to, to, to Jim to chime in there, um, Greg Diamond, which I believe is one of your producers, yes. uh, he tweeted out at, at some point today. It was the fourth most trended hashtag on Twitter today with snow squalls.
4: Really, so Interesting. there you
0: go.
2: So 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 yeah, that it didn't come from just the Weather Channel saying it. This morning on AMHQ and describing what they are, it was also the local media and the national media and the National Weather Service. So the whole weather enterprise was totally on to this. It was very well forecasted. It was modeled out, and uh, you know, just so happened to verify. And it happened at the time when everyone's coming home from work in New York City. It happened right over New York City. So it's kind of an exclamation. You know, we don't always get the weather right there, but. When we do and it feels good it feels good
1: Now Jim, is there any specific thunder snow event that sticks out in your mind?
2: Peter, there is. Um, the plymouth mass event was was incredible because I was supposed to be uh, you know in Boston and they wanted us to move down to Plymouth because the conditions were going to be a little worse there and We were just so tired from literally living in Boston, that record year of snow. And I'm like, okay, whatever, let's get down to Plymouth. That's gonna change the scenery. And and sure enough, um, that turned out to be the spot because it just, I saw Reynolds get it at about five o'clock and I was crushed. I was crushed because I wasn't up in Boston getting it. I'm like, I just missed a thunderstorm episode in downtown Boston. So I like, I literally put my face down in the snow (laughs) and I just laid there for a second. And I came back up. I didn't even wipe my face. <laughs> and if you look at the video, you'll see like snow underneath my goggles and on my beard and whatever. Because that literally my face was down in the slow, snow because I was so demoralized. And then once we got it, I went from the lowest of lows to the highest of highs. And, and, and then we got another reps. And then we got a third and a fourth and a fifth and a sixth uh, strike. And, and it was just just incredible. It was just incredible. And, you know, granted, these are dangerous ground stroke lightning um, flashes, but I, uh, I don't know, man, it's just, there's something about it. I just love being out in it. I love when it happens. It's so dynamic. I mean, it's a, it's a damn thunderstorm in the snow. So it, it It's awesome.
3: I guess the perfect segue, because last December you were in Boone for the big uh, snow event up there, and yes. we actually had snow at UNC Asheville. Um, did you guys have any of it up in Boone? If we did, I didn't hear it. Uh, or, uh, it yeah, I, I wasn't out at the time it happened. That's
2: the other thing, too. It's kind of nice when there's a camera running, and you're in the middle of a live shot, and it happens. So you can kind of capture it right there, and you can prove to everybody what actually happened. But, uh, yeah, Boone was was, was incredible. Uh, I mean, we had so much snow in, in, a, in a short period of time. So it was a heavy snow, beautiful snow. And I, and I remember getting a text from my good friend, um, NASCAR champion, Bobby Labonte. He's like, hey, Jim, you know, my daughter goes to <laughs> Appalachian State. Um, she'd love to come down and say hi to you. And I remember Madison when she was like, yay big. And now she's an adult uh, going to school. So that was, that was a kind of another little cool part of, of, of covering the storm up there.
0: And I think you you had the boon stick, the snow stick, right? I had the boon stick. <laughs> I
2: just had this yard stick that I I kind of I'm like we gotta call this something. It, it can't just be. It's like a boon. St- it's the boon stick. So so people were for some reason that hashtag kind of caught on, and uh, we watched the snow just climb and climb and climb on the boon stick. It was awesome. And
0: I'm not mistaken. It helped kick off the Christmas parade too, right? was the Christmas parade. Yeah, we,
2: we, yeah, we, we, yeah they, all of a sudden, we're, <laughs> the next day, we're covering the aftermath, and I'm in the middle of the st- street, and the Christmas parade must go on, so it went on. I'm like, Let's just make this a part of our shot. And, and, guys, that's what it's really all – you know, you, you take away the flood and the tornado and the hurricane, and, and those are very hard to cover for, as, as, a, as a reporter, as a meteorologist, but there's something about the snow that's a little bit easier. You know what I mean? It, it, it just, people have to do something really wrong to not, not do well in a snowstorm. It's a lot more fun. I think it brings out the kid and everybody and you see dogs jumping around, you see everybody having a snowball fight. I mean, it, it's, it's just fun to be out in the snow. And I, and I think, you know, with the Christmas parade and what was going on up there, it was, it was just good to kind of portray that fun. It wasn't about a disaster or a record-setting snowfall anymore. It was about having fun in the snow and pushing people out. I I was at the chiropractor office for about a week and a half after that. It was brutal.
0: You know, you talk about that. for those who may not be from the southeast where we're all originated at, Snow kind of slows everybody down here. It kind of shuts the city down. And I, I in, in my opinion, I think it's it's good family bonding time or, you know, you get alone, you get with your kids or your neighbors, and you get to have these snow events and eat. And that, it, we, we complain about, you know, we shut down and everybody makes fun of the south. But it's a good thing in my opinion because it brings a lot of people together. I mean, together. where else
2: can you pull out the Monopoly board again? Right.
0: <laughs> the, board,
2: the checkers, the chess, you know, the backgammon. I mean, you, you get all that stuff out. The twister. You pull out Twister uh, and, and everybody can have a good time. So uh, I agree with you. It, it is a good bonding time for sure. And, you know, there's even some neighbor helping neighbor in, in these kind of events. They're out brushing off the snow. They're shoveling the driveway for for the elderly folks. Uh, you know, there's just a lot of good that comes out. It, I rarely do a snowstorm where I've just got this frown on my face because we've just lost so many lives now granted the big nor'easters when we have tremendous overwash and flooding and coastal mass uh those aren't fun <laughs> they're they're brutal but when it's just snow and it's a nice like like we were in kent connecticut a couple years ago in the, in the beautiful Litchfield hills and this just gorgeous courier and i've snow four inches of white fluff just flocked all the trees it was it was beautiful i mean you can't help but get a good feeling from a snowstorm like that the sun comes out the next day it's bluebird you ever been in colorado or utah or california i mean it's just incredible
5: Incredible. more of the carolina weather group and our conversation with jim cantori after this short break Picking up our conversation now with meteorologist jim cantori of the weather channel
0: i agree um one thing i always want to ask you jim um i don't think we talked about this the last time you were on uh, you just said earlier in the program you've been with the weather channel for 30 plus years uh, from from the starting time to what it is now talk a little bit about the weather channel and, and the progression that that you guys all as as a whole have made for the weather community i mean I think if you ask all of us panelists at one time or another, when we were kids, we, were, we weren't watching cartoons. We were watching the Weather Channel. So kind of talk about the progression of, of the Weather Channel and, and what all. I mean, you, you've you've seen it grow from from the start to where it is now.
2: Wow, that's an interesting question. Um, the late, great Dave Schwartz. Do you remember Dave? Yes. Best personality ever on the Weather Channel. Um, what well, Him and I sat down and calculated one time how many minutes we were actually on air, and we thought, okay, it's like 25 minutes, we're actually talking an hour, and we're on for four hours, so, you know, 100 minutes, we're talking for 100 minutes about the weather, which was really cool, because back in the days, that's what it was all about, the weather, 24-7, all right? That's what we did, we had to stack our own show, if we wanted to put a segment that had 15 visible satellite loops in it during the afternoon, we could do that and just talk about it. Now it's, you know, it's a little bit more structured. It's a little more newsy. There's video mixed in. I mean, I, you know, it's better. There's news stories. There's, there's climate stories. Uh, there's people stories. There's interviews. People will tell you what kind of insurance you need, what, you know, those kind of things. And, and one of the most recent things that we've done is uh, this immersive mixed reality. So if you guys, you know, you, you saw me out there with these, you know, going through the EF scale or going through an ice storm. All right, I mean, that, that is really kind of amazing how that works because you've got a ton of people involved. You've got a jib operator. You've got a guy who's running teleprompter. You've got another person who's advancing the graphics. you got the talent out there. We all have to turn in the right way. So you have to do this over and over again until it all is synced up. But it really is, to me, kind of the three it's – th- it's weather in three dimensions. It's, it's a way to really show everybody what's, what's happening in, in 3D because we all know weather is that right? So, so now it's like, well, why not do that on a daily basis? Why can't we do that with, uh, with our daily programming, with radar, with, with video? I mean, why not show a real time shot of Nashville with the radar superimposed on that coming toward Nashville? What would that look like? So right now, as we speak, we are building this huge wall at the Weather Channel to, literally transform the way that we present weather in this immersive mixed reality type format. So it's going to be really cool. It's going to be a game changer. It's what I expect from my company. So I'm, I'm totally stoked about it. Um, you know, we, we mixed it that in with what we're doing right now. And I, I, I can't wait to see how this all, would, I mean, they got the sheet rock up. They're just about to get the wall painted green. So yeah, I'm psyched.
0: It sound, sounds really cool, and, and I'll toss it off to other guys after this. Uh, what I think the Weather Channel is most known for, and what a lot of people see you um, when they're not watching AMHQ, is the water-to-wall coverage, you guys. I mean, far beyond anybody else, you know, any of the other major news outlets. You guys do when we have winter weather events, hurricanes. The water-to-wall coverage that you provide is phenomenal. And just, I know there's so many people involved and making that yep. happen, and it's a 24-hour thing. I mean, you guys, especially with hurricanes, and you guys are all on on the air nonstop,
2: dude. That's our Super Bowl, all right. I mean, Scotty, that, that that's our Super Bowl. You got to show up for your Super Bowl. You got to play all four quarters. You can't lay down. I don't care what the lead is. You got it. You got to keep going till the end of the game. So that's how we look at it uh, all the time. I mean, there's people out there. We are we are servants to those people. They're watching us, they're making decisions about themselves and their families. So you have to deliver, you have to deliver a message that they understand, a message that they can prepare themselves with and and potentially save their lives. So that's just gonna go on and on. We ask you, I've always thought for me personally, you know what, Uh, yeah, I'm standing out in the middle of this thing, Jim, well, why do you get to stay and we have to leave? Because you have to leave. I know this is what I do for my job. And I always think if if the least I could do is take people through it when they're watching us from a safe haven off in the distance and show them what's actually happening back here. And so, you know, we have tons of teams in in the the same spot near the eye so people can get a real good idea of what's actually happening back here. And here's the deal, guys, there's, there's times when we got to come down out of our shots because it's just, it's just not safe, but we try and get in a position where we can be protected and protect everybody on the team and uh and do the best we can i mean it's not a panacea there's no perfect spot out there i mean it's it, it's dangerous when the wind starts blowing like that but uh if we can get the shot up we want you to see what it's like uh going through a cat one two three four hurricane
1: so jim humorous question for you how does it make you feel when you show up and everybody runs
2: <laughs> oh jeez. i mean you know if, if i show up if where i was in a uh I was hosting, helping to host event down in uh, Grand Cayman and I was in a tuxedo and I was walking through a hotel down there and in a tuxedo and this lady looks at me and she comes up, she grabs my arm. She goes, Oh Jim, please don't tell me anything. Something bad's about to happen. I'm like, ma'am, I'm in a tuxedo. <laughs> I'm not going to go cover bad weather in a tuxedo. And I just, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird that, that, that kind of follows me around. But you know what? If it gets attention going, especially when I'm not in a tuxedo, uh, which I'm usually not, uh, then then so be it. That, that, that's a good thing for everybody. But it, it's, it's a nice attention getter. Uh, I just had to ask. Okay. I, Al Michaels called me Dr. Doom one time, and it kind of stuck with me. So yeah. I'll take it. I think you even had a commercial at one point where it was just, you're, yes. just,
1: you're just going to the beach to sit down and chair and, and relax and everyone just clears out. <laughs> it's quite funny. That was
2: so fun to shoot that. We shot that in Wilmington, North Carolina, probably about eight years ago. We played it for like one year on the weather channel and then we took it away and it showed up on social media and went viral. And the, the funnest part about that commercial was, was the dog. I just couldn't stop laughing that they they could command the dog to bark at me. So I'm just like, guys, I I can't, I can't get back into character here because this dog is just, (laughs) I can't believe you can make the dog bark on command. So anyway, finally we got it we shot it, but that was the funnest part of that thing. And then everybody running on the beach and um, that was fun. That was fun.
3: I think it's so fitting. I'm going to tell a little personal story. Um, Just, we started the decade back in 2010, and I was a little nine-year-old um, with my little weather book. Oh, I know, I was a little, a little <laughs> hot. Um, but I was in Charlotte, North Carolina, and early 2010, we had a snow event where we actually saw thunder thunderstorm. It, it was amazing and definitely kicked off my love for the weather, that and then Sandy a couple of years later. Um, but I think it's pretty fitting that we're closing off the decade uh, with you, Jim, and... Um, talking telling us the stories about your, you know, up in Massachusetts with the thunder snow and all the different um, videos that I've seen on the internet, um, just you know, of you losing it over thunder snow. And I can totally relate to that because that's what all of us weather nerds like to do. Nine years old. Wow. Okay. I, I know.
2: Even, old, even older. I, now. Uh, gosh, what was I nine years ago? Anyway. So <laughs> so yeah. So Worcester in '96 was the first event. So you. I don't even think you were around then. But you were around in ninety-six? I was not. <laughs> no, you were not. Okay, so that was the first event. We had Chicago twice, Harrisburg, Plymouth Mass. I mean, just to be able to be out in it when it happens. So now it's like, I don't even care if somebody gets two feet of snow. I want to be out where <laughs> where the thunder snow is going to happen. I, I want to be in that spot where the thunder snow is going to be. So I get it, man. And I'm glad you I'm glad you caught the weather bug. Oh yeah, yes sir.
1: <laughs> I don't think we've even asked you that. What what gave you the weather bug? What sort of got well, you? The bl-
2: the blizzard of '78. Plus, just always, I can't just put it on one storm um, because I just always wanted to be out when when it was pouring rain or or snowing like crazy. And you know, growing up in White River Junction, Vermont, we we had that tremendous winter of '77, '78. Of course, call, you know. The grand finale was the blizzard of 78. Uh, so we had another 30 inches of snow on top of whatever we had. And I mean, as a kid, think about this, you're walking around as like a 14 year old kid with like snow up to your chest. <laughs> it's like, this is unbelievable. So me, we had this wonderful house um, on Taft's flat, where my brother and I were responsible for shoveling off um, the overhang, which, which, you know, hung over, hung over the walkway around the house. And this, it was flat. So you had to, had to take the weight off of that. And so we, we were like, oh my gosh, we're going to create this great big pile. And so we created this 12 foot pile of snow from shoveling off the roof. And so he jumps in. We did rock, paper, scissors to see who goes in first. He won. So he jumps in, he disappears. I'm like, oh my God, Vinny, you know, Vincent, Vinny's my brother, Vincent. So I jumped down in there and I, I uncover him. He's about two feet down, but we would have lost my brother in that from the blizzard of 78, if, if, if I hadn't jumped in after him, but that's how much snow we had. I mean, it it was just incredible, but I'll I'll never forget that event. Um, it was like, you lived in snow tunnels. The roads that got us to our house were like the mounds of snow were so high. It was like being in a snow tunnel. It was incredible. It really was. So that's if you, if you want to put it on one event, it's definitely that.
3: Do you have a favorite moment from the
2: decade? Wow, favorite moment. Weather moment or just moment, moment? Weather well, moment, although if you have a favorite moment, moment you want to share, sure. Guys, I got to be honest with you. Um, you know, Tuscaloosa, I'll never forget that the outbreak in 2011. That was amazing in Tuscaloosa because we had – I've never seen – a mesocyclone moving away that was twisting and was black. So as it was leaving Tuscaloosa and heading up toward Birmingham, uh, I will never forget that image. It, it was like something evil happening. So that, in, in terms of weather moments, that that's the one. It was early in the decade, uh, but in terms of wow moments for 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 what I do, you know, I got to fly with the Blue Angels again, which was awesome, and. I I love the fact that kids want us to be their wish for Make-A-Wish Foundation. And this little girl named Kaylee, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were her wish. And she's a really young girl, and she had ovarian cancer at like six years old. She's a survivor, though. And she's so full of life and so in love with the weather. I don't think I've ever met a more passionate person in my life about the weather. Seriously. And here's this now nine year old, but she's just so alive and and excited about the weather and to be there. But uh, you know, we had a big day for her planned. We all went up to the front door to meet her when she was coming in, and and we were supposed to go up to this other room and and meet her and and get away from the crowd or whatever. I'm like, forget. I'm I'm going to the front door. You know, this girl. This is her. This is girls. This is this girl's day. I want to. I want to see her when she comes in. So she comes in and I'm just standing there, you know, clapping like everybody else. And all of a sudden she just comes running up to me and gives me this great big hug. And um, that was just the most wonderful thing, man. That's my favorite moment of the decade. And um, usually I can uh, usually I can handle all the traumatic weather out there and the worst that Mother Nature can muster up. But uh, that was a tough one. And um, I can promise you this, that that girl made more people's days than we made her day. I'll tell you that right now. So Kaylee, I'll always remember that.
0: I don't know how we can top that. That's um, it's a great story. Uh, Jim, thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us. We always love catching up with you. And uh, thank you for the work that you put into the weather enterprise. And I know we all... Uh, look up to you and we um, appreciate your service and uh, we're just appreciative that you are willing to spend a little time with us and uh, we want to wish you a happy uh, a merry Christmas a happy new year and uh, we hope that uh, I know you're itching to get back out in the field so hopefully you can get that uh, get out there soon.
2: Yeah this mild end to the decade I don't think is going to last into the new decade so we'll, we'll, we'll be back out there but guys thanks for having me remember we're I I always want to say this. We're all a part of this team, the weather enterprise. We're all, we're all kind of in this together. So um, let's lift each other up a lot because we're all, we're all servants together, right? At the end of the day. And, And that's kind of how I look at it. So thanks for having me. Seriously. Thank you.
0: Definitely. So Jim Cantore, everyone go follow Jim on Twitter. Uh, a great follow and uh, be sure to tune into the weather channel and Jim, thank you so much again. Um, I was looking through our notes. I think we may have a little bit of time, Jared, if you want to do weather news or you, or you want to skip that and we can go
2: on.
4: I mean, I had weather news about an, a new interstate.
0: I, I, I just, <laughs>
4: I don't know how we can, uh, I, I don't think interstate we can follow it uh, that. Yeah. I mean, it'll evacuate people from Carter County, North Carolina, and that's really good. We need that sort of thing. They're, they're, t- they're upgrading us highway. Uh, to I forty two, but you know, but you know what, really? it, you know, I don't know that I can follow that. So um, I will quickly say that uh, we have a new uh, nominee for NOAA Administrator, Dr. Neil Jacobs. He's the acting administrator of NOAA right now. Um, came into some heat with the uh, whole Sharpie Gate thing earlier this year, but he yeah, uh, dude, I was a, I was at
2: NWA during that. I remember mm-hmm. that. That was a that was a tough moment for everybody. Um, talk about the elephant in the room but I actually think that brought us together more mm-hmm. as, as an enterprise because you know you know span is just this phenomenal cheerleader he got he gets up and tells it like it is regardless and it's it's great to hear when he does that and, and everybody kind of rallies around that and the weather service in Birmingham so that that was a good moment for us even, even though at first it was bad but it, it wound up to be a I think a great moment for the enterprise
4: yep yeah yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's a Neil, local boy. Actually. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's a local boy. So he's from Somerville. He's just up just from up the road from here. He went to North Carolina State. So went to NC State. Uh, and uh, so uh, a nice Carolina connection with this uh, new nominee. About a month ago or so, Barry Myers, former CEO of AccuWeather, dropped out of consideration. He'd never received a vote on the floor of the uh, Senate. Um, dropped out due to health concerns. So uh, we have a new nominee. Um, he's in the job now. Seems to be uh, doing very well. Brilliant modeler, uh, great scientist. So uh, we will see if uh, we'll see if he gets that up and or up or down vote. We'll find out. Um, and then uh, finally, just one last little thing. We had a earthquake in Columbia this past Saturdays. Uh, uh first noticed it with uh you know uh, our buddy chris jackson uh he uh was like what was that boom on facebook and uh and uh we and and you know and sure enough a uh, couple days later it gets uh found to be an earthquake initially uh scored a 2.5 magnitude now revised down to a 2.2 after a little further analysis residents said it sounded like a boom a little shake and then they went on with their day um but still you know this is not california and uh any sort of uh um, you know, earth-shattering event like that, uh, no matter how small, or uh, will uh, kind of rattle everybody's cage, so to speak. Uh, if we, to you know, got to bring some of the NASCAR terms for you guys. You know? I mean, <laughs> nice. I mean, Jim, we've got your race cars in the background. I can't do you wrong there. I mean, I think your background's a lot cooler than mine's.
2: So. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I mean, I'm not really a huge NHRA fan, but I, I watch it. You know, but the fact that they have Yankee. Insignia is on them. It's, it's, yeah. it's really about the Yankee insignia more than I'm a huge mm-hmm. Yankees baseball fan. Mm-hmm.
4: So
2: you know, to watch Garrett Cole sign uh, with the Yankees was was a that was my Christmas present. <laughs> no, no <laughs>
4: that
2: doubt. was my Christmas present. No
4: doubt. You
0: notice, you notice, you uh, Jim. I got my Charlotte Motor Speedway shirt also. Anytime, anytime you want to come out to Speedway, you let us know. We will definitely. Uh, we'll definitely Guys, my
2: out. my Charlotte Motor Speedway memories go back to Humpy Wheeler.
0: Yes. Yes. If
2: you if you know anything about Charlotte Motor Speedway, you go back to Humpy Wheeler. uh, He was always so great to us, and
0: one of the greatest promoters ever.
2: Yeah, genius.
0: (laughs) He was. was. Uh, I know James is going to fuss at me. We got seven minutes to do this. Uh, Jim reminded me of this. This is the last show of the decade, so I want to ask each of the panelists, and we'll even let Jim have another opportunity if he wants. What's been your most memorable weather moment uh, for this last decade? I'll start with Peter because he's the first one on my screen.
1: Oh, oh thanks. <laughs> there you go. So mm, I would say maybe there's two for me. Um, 2009, 2010, uh, we had these big snowstorms all the time in the Northeast. Uh, those are some big ones. Got me off of school a lot. So that was great. And then uh, this past summer, we had all the record tornadoes here in New Jersey. I had nine tornadoes. Uh, which was pretty nuts. Um, so yeah, this has been an interesting decade with just blizzards and tornadoes and we had Hurricane Sandy and Irene in there too. So it's been a memorable one for
4: no doubt.
0: All right, Jared, you're next on my screen. So Yeah, I think
4: I got two as well. I mean, so from the scary department is the uh, 2015 EF2 tornado that uh, formed uh, just in the dead of night uh, over Johns Island, South Carolina. Um, and I was admittedly dozing off a little bit when that guy uh, perked up, and then my wireless emergency alerts went off, and it was like, oh, crap. Um, So wireless emergency alerts, one, are amazing. Two, uh, pole technology um, made the warning very effective. Uh, Some some great uh, forecasting work by the National Weather Service in Charleston that night. They had actually mentioned in the AFD uh, that there was the potential for maybe a tornado along the Charleston County coast. How prescient was that? Some, just some outstanding work, uh, pattern recognition by the weather service. Um, nobody was killed. Uh, it was a nighttime tornado, very unusually strong for this area. Um, nobody was killed. So that was a little scary as the uh, as I had a tornado debris signature barreling toward my house. I hope I never feel that again. But, uh, but it, it all lifted by the time that it... Uh, got near here. So that was good. But by far, my favorite one was the snowstorm of 2018. Um, you know, Jim said it perfectly. Uh, there is just nothing better than a snow event, especially in a place that doesn't get them. So, you know, to see everybody, you know, just, just, and, you know, like Scotty said, just coming together, having some fun with it. Um, it wasn't fun about four or five days later when the uh, freezing rain event that had happened before, uh, started rearing its head on the roads. But, um, but it was, uh, the thing that I will always take away from that was how quiet it was. Even, you just had the snow and you had a little bit of wind, but there was no air traffic. You know, we, you know, this Charleston. The best we have is an S-10 with a shovel on front, right? And you just hope for the best. Um, you know, so the airport was closed for several days and it was just so quiet and nobody was driving, nobody was out and about. And it was just a... Yeah. I, I will never forget that. And uh, I, I, I gotta say, I'm rooting for another one of those personally. I could, I could do snow. I could do, you know, a fun little uh, conversational snow event every once in a while and have a good time with it. You know, lots of hurricanes, lots of flooding, as we talked about earlier, but those are the two things that really stand out for me, Scotty.
0: Those are good memories. Uh, Evan, you're next.
3: Well, that's kind of tough. Um, definitely the thunderstorm that I mentioned earlier is up there. I missed Sandy. My dad went to uh, Beach Mountain with my grandparents and he knew I was a little burgeoning weather nut, um, but he left me behind at school in Charlotte. So I missed that, which really egged me on to you know get to see the next one. But um, I think all in all, it would have to be either seeing Tipton, the uh, Tipton Kansas tornado that we were at this year. Um, that was you know, for all intents and purposes, the first major canado I had ever seen. Um, and that just, that whole experience blew me away. Um, and if not that, my love and passion for Northwest Flow snows, um, as anyone who's been listening to the podcast for a while, y'all know that I'm, I'm the nut that's always tweeting about the high winds on Grandfather Mountain um, or the snow that's coming in. I spent a lot of days doing, as Shay would, um, she would call me crazy for saying this, um, running up to the tops of the mountains uh, just to see you know, that blizzards that are going on up there and the 80-mile-an-hour winds. That's it's awesome. just been really cool. It's been a lot of fun. We've had a lot of good video and a lot of good, you know, experiences all alone out in the woods um, with that quiet snow, like you said, Jerry.
1: Yeah, getting stalked by bears and cougars. <laughs> Not
3: lions. Yeah, that
1: happens every once in a while. <laughs> all
0: right, Shay, What's yours?
1: Man, I tell you, Jerry took mine with the snow one. That was probably one of the most memorable personal ones, but I think overall, and there's three of them and, and the three that they all have in com- the things that they all have in common is flooding. So we had Hurricane um, Harvey, Hurricane Florence, and we can't forget about the rain event of October 2015 and how impressive that was. I think that one tops my list simply because of the dynamics that were involved with. You had three different things going on there with a major hurricane feeding this plume of moisture that just turned into a fire hose. And i lived it every day. I blogged it about every three hours it was, it was just one of the most intense things I've ever seen. I mean, just you look out on radar and you just watch that loop over and over. You just can't believe how that happened. And just watching how that, how it just meandered up and down, you know, just shot straight through to Columbia. It broke dams all the way inland, 200 miles. I mean, it, it just, um, boy, I tell you what, when you're talking about watershed effect and weakening an area of the country, that one, that one definitely did it right. So Florence again, in another massive weakener of, of the entire Eastern North Carolina half, which never really we got a chance to recover from Matthew. Um, but Harvey with Texas, I mean, wow, what can you say? I mean, how many trillions of gallons of water in the upper atmosphere was able to precipitate down and create five feet of waters beyond me? You know, it's just, it just, it's crazy. You didn't think of the October flooding event for us with two feet. I mean, it's, you know, we're, we're used to seeing heavy rains here, but not, not over a three day period of heavy downpours like that. It just was intense. So for me, I'd say this, this decade, most memorable experiences were
0: flooding. I'll go right quick. Um, memorable experience, uh, Alberto, Tropical Storm Alberto back in 2017. Not because of anything major uh, along the coast, but for inland North Carolina, I was working with emergency management at McDowell County. Had anywhere between eight to ten inches of rain. We had a flash flood emergency develop about two a.m. with the potential um, part of the dam was failing, and so uh, I just had this sinking gut. You know, like what happens if this thing completely fails and, and we just see widespread flooding? Thankfully, things stabilized. So I will always remember that moment. Uh, Evan, I agree with you. Uh, seeing the Tipton tornado ranks up there. Uh, the Christmas, white Christmas of 2010, we got over 14 inches of snow where I live. And the last thing that's memorable, not really weather related, but science related, was experiencing totality from the solar eclipse a few years ago. That was um, that that I think ranks the top because that was the coolest thing I've ever experienced in my life. So that that's my amen nervous. to that. That was a goal. Uh, Jim, you I know you said Tuscaloosa, anything else that comes well,
2: up? I think about it guys we had we had two supers we had the second super outbreak we had superstorm sandy uh, you know uh, you know, we, Jared talked about how the, the the dual pole came into play, but think about where we 've gone with high resolution uh, computer modeling and, and and things like that i mean we 've really done a great job I think, in advancing our computer modeling and things like that so Uh, Certainly, those those two storm events uh, stand out for me, uh, especially Superstorm Sandy, Sandy, because of the fact that we spent so much time trying to figure out if it was a hurricane or a a mid-latitude cyclone that we lost the message. So as an enterprise, it was a tremendous lesson for us to go like, guys, why are we talking about this so much on air and on Twitter when we really just need to talk about impacts Okay, how's it going to affect the people who meteorologically we can deal with what it was or what it is later. But let's talk about 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 impacts. And I I think that was really a great lesson for us um, in in terms of how we how we how we get the message out. And it's interesting, Scotty. you mentioned the eclipse. I was in, you know, Champaign, Illinois, I was right there at the Saluki Stadium. And literally within 30 seconds of totality, here comes this cloud sitting right over. <laughs> and I never got to experience it. I could hear yeah. the cheers. I could hear the cheers outside the stadium. Okay, with everybody experiencing it. But uh, yeah, for those that did, it, it was a moving, definitely a movie experience without a doubt. Can't wait to see what the 2020s have for us, guys.
0: For sure. All right, James, I'll let you close this out. You want me to take it home? Take it home, buddy. All right. Well, I
5: will uh, segue off that last thought and compliment what Jim said about can't wait to see what the next decade holds. It's been an incredible decade. Uh, I think the most memorable weather moment, and there are many contenders here, but for me really stands out probably Hurricane Sandy. I was up on Long Island visiting my parents days before. Uh, They physically dragged me back to the airport in order to get me to leave because that's what parents do to send me back to school. Uh, after fall break there. Uh, I had a close friend who unfortunately lost a uh, child during that event as they were preparing for the storm. Um, and then of course, the aftermath that the friends and families were continuing to clean up with, my own parents didn't get power back for quite some time. And on a personal note, I remember uh, a couple weekends later, my dad uh, had promised to go to a University of Georgia football game with me. And I don't know how he did it, but he managed to get himself from New York to Georgia and back again. I think all in the same day, he probably had one of the very first flights out because he wanted to hold that commitment. So that kind of uh, stands out in my mind. But uh, if if on a more positive note and one of a less destructive nature, I will of course also mention that uh, the thing that stands out when I think of weather in this decade is joining you guys uh, and doing this show as we cross into our sixth year and just pass that 300th episode milestone Uh, personally it's a privilege to join each one of you either on air or behind the scenes here each week and we thank everyone at home and to all of the great people in the weather community like Jim who come on to share their time and their experience and their stories with us uh, we are very grateful for that we will be taking some time off for the holiday season and we want to wish all of you and yours at home a very safe and happy holiday and new year and it wouldn't be a end of a show if I didn't do a shameless promotion to, of course, remind you to download your favorite Carolina Weather Group podcast episodes on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts to take them with you for your holiday travel. There you go. We got to get that in somehow, right? But uh, until we see you in 2020, thanks to all our panelists, Jim Cantori, and all of our guests this year for making it another very memorable year here at the Carolina Weather Group.